0: I want to ask you about your Twitter account. Uh oh. Well, no, it's just funny because I feel <laughs> like you get I feel like you get lots of engagement. And like some of the tweets that you put on there, I just don't like I can't even comprehend them. So like today was a question you were having discussions about uh, less than lazy 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 like for lazy. Yeah. Yeah oh, generic. Lazy, lazy. generic. So the angle brackets,
1: you would put a type in between there. So have you ever written a piece of code where it says, if this thing is is null, I need you to create one. And if it's not null, don't create one. Just use the one you got.
0: Well, I guess I do ternaries. There are no creation involved there, but I guess it could be a new based on that.
1: So yeah, uh, uh, imagine, yeah, so... What it is is um, when the app starts up, we essentially were saying, hey, once you create one, don't keep creating a new one every time. Once you've got one, just keep the one you got for now until we don't need it anymore. And so the lazy generic notation is pure syntactic sugar that takes about 10 lines of code and puts it into about eight characters or however many.
0: Right. That wrapper. Yeah,
1: exactly. And so today's the genesis of today's Twitter poll, or I guess it was was it yesterday? I don't know. Whenever I asked the poll, it was, "Hey DIA folks, do you wrap your dependencies in Lazy, or do you not?" And then there's there's a you know every engineer will say, "Well, it depends. It depends." DIA
0: well. define DIA, please.
1: Not DIA. Di just di dependency Depen- injection. Dependency injection. So. Uh, Let me throw another word at, or uh, two words, phrase, term, uh, object graph. When I say object graph, you say?
0: Object graph, did you say?
1: Object graph, yes.
0: Nope. Uh, I say, huh? All
1: right. So in your mind, and by the way, I just got done reading Hyperspace by Dr. uh, Michio Kaku, uh, a 1994 book that I read a long time ago, and it it theorizes it's physics, uh, physics, it theorizes that we live in a ten-dimensional world. So, anyway, I'm very deep in stuff right now. So, I'm like totally gonna just like try to paint a picture for you.
0: How come I've only heard Neil deGrasse talk about four?
1: Um, you'd have to ask Neil why he doesn't mm. talk. So maybe, we have maybe this on simple. our next episode. Yeah, we'll we'll get Neil on and uh, we'll we'll go through it all. We'll we'll uh, we'll take him to task on all that. <laughs> okay so anyway the object graph is um you know just in your mind's eye i'm trying to paint a picture here um a canvas if you will if if you have an object and that object has properties sometimes they're strings integers decimals we call those primitives those are kind of they're non-objects right value types for the most part And sometimes we have objects within objects and it's not like we're doing recursion or anything crazy. We just have maybe call it a, my service and within my service, I might have a encryption helper object or something like that. So very basic, nothing crazy, but let's say your object has an encryption thing. It has a document, you know, uploader type thing. And uh, let's say all this lives in the context of a web request and during this web request, you needed to upload a document and it did not need to be encrypted. So we're like, okay, the normal course of things is let me create my object for the service, let me create my encryptor, and let me create my document thing, and oh, by the way, I didn't use my encryptor, so I just totally wasted that effort, didn't I? Right. Because, so I you, didn't need to You
0: encrypt. created it without necessity.
1: So wouldn't it be great if I could say, hey.net, only create the things that you need? And everything else can just relax. And then the analogy I had today was, you've done a select star in a database, right? Select star yes. where
0: blah, did blah, it blah.
1: All. And then you go, well, you know, I'll just use the ID and the first name column. And I don't want the last name or the address. But I did a select star. So what did I do? I I forced SQL to do some work gathering the data. And I said, hey, SQL, send that to me over the wire. Clog the internet with all this information because I need it. For me to only say, you know what, just kidding. I just want ID and first name. And then, you know, your app works, but it was not as efficient, right? So in the same way, why would I create 10 objects where if I would chart out from the request coming in down to where it had to do the work and return to response if I only used two of the 10 objects, right? So I created eight objects for no reason.
0: So what's the overhead involved in figuring out which objects are going to be needed or not.
1: So great question. So I think the question is, is does, does lazy load cost me anything? And the answer is actually it does. However, it's usually trivial compared to what we call the expensive objects. The expensive objects might be that encryption class that, well, that has three dependencies of its own, which have an additional two dependencies. And that's what the object graph is. So starting here, map out all of the things that have to be created just to hydrate one of these things one time. What's that graph look like? So just, it's just a, you know, all these dependencies. So I created the service. That means I need to create an encryptor, which means create document service. Oh, document service needs to create some sort of AWS or Azure blob storage thingy. And it just, you know, goes down and goes, okay, Bob, I got it all ready for you. What do you want to do? And you say, uh, I just want to upload this document. Well, don't you want to encrypt it? No, I don't want to encrypt it. Well, why did you have me create this thing? And it's like, well, I mean, actually, could you not do that next time? And the question is, how, how do I know? And .NET has this thing built in called lazy. And lazy basically says, oh, if I don't have a value, I should probably get one. And it goes and creates it for you and says, oh, there it is. Now, that sounds very useful and interesting. However, in the outside the context of DI, I don't find a whole lot of value or utility out of it because, oh, I've determined I need to create this, so I need to go over here and do this work. All that is actually done for you in the world of DI. And it it took me forever to wrap my head around DI. It's like, wait a second, I don't understand. Why do you get to pick, or why do you create my stuff? I need to use the new keyword. I've been told that since CS 101, new my object. And then if we take a step back, you've used um, web API and MVC, right, before? Yes. Controller, you know what a, a web controller yeah, yeah, yeah. is, right? When's the last time you said new web controller and whatever it is, new API controller, blah, 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 in your career? So you, Never trust, you trust something to create your, an instance of your controller, right? Sure. So wouldn't it be great if we could say, huh, if I don't have to create a controller, wouldn't it be great if I just didn't have to create basically anything? I just say, I need one. And then magic, you know, insert some sort of magical hocus pocus music here. And we say, wow, I've got my objects and they're just there. And so if we take it even one step further and go, create my objects if and only if I need one. And you may say, well, that's, that's, that's just crazy, Kevin. I, I understand. Because
0: well, yeah, the, the construct for the object has to exist somewhere.
1: Yeah. So eventually you have to pay the piper, right? Eventually you have to say, how the hell do you create this thing? And then in DI world, that's called the composition root. You literally say, Hey, this is how you create one of these. And Oh, by the way, um, I, when you create one of these, it also depends on one of these, one of those, and one of these. And then if, if we move the object, traverse the object graph a little deeper and go to one of those dependencies, that was a dependency of the thing I just mentioned, it depends on this, this, and this. And then we pull that aside and we go down to those dependencies so till we reach the very bottom and go, finally, nothing depends on something at the bottom of this big heap of stuff. And you know what? All we have to do is set, define um, what I need through a constructor. And that constructor says, oh, I need one of those. I need one of those and one of those. And you may say, okay, great. Something has to new this up. And I would say, yeah, but it's not us. Our DI container does it for it. In the same way Web API or MVC and .NET creates your controllers for you, we call it the container. The container in DI or the IOC container does all this for you. And it says, you know what, dude, I got you. Just you just define what, I depend, what you depend on it, on each class and I'll fill it for you. And I can tell by the look on your face, you're like, none of this fucking makes sense. Well, no, the problem is,
0: <laughs> not the problem. The thing that blows my mind is that there's people who write that magic and we just use the tools. Like so, somebody else had to conceive of all this for that to be able to happen.
1: So you're, you're, what is your martial arts highest ranking or whatever we call those
0: well masters pretty much right. the pinnacle and then you just have different levels of your masters to, your master degree.
1: so you didn't go from whatever the beginning is to master in, in. okay you didn't you didn't traverse that hierarchy in a day right rome wasn't built in a day right
0: correct Same also with- i am not a master just for the record
1: rome was not built in a day starting to use di (laughs) as soon as you hear about it is not a good idea the only time you should use di is when you've evolved to the point where you're like god there's got to be a better way it's just you know to do whatever it is this this big ball of mud there has got to be a better way and you you go well hmm wouldn't it be cool if i if i had an object but i i could say you know just define what the object needed and then I say, give me one, and then it used um, like reflection in .NET. You know, it, it looked up at all the metadata and all the code base and said, okay, I can do all the calculations. You need one of those, one of these. Oh, one of those needs one of these, you know, and it just assembles this thing at, at uh, what feels like the speed of light, and it just gives it to you. And you're like, hey, you know, I bet you I could build that with reflection. You know, you just just go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> and and you get to the point where like i just created the greatest thing ever this thing is like next to being self-aware and you know this thing just works and then you realize that all this has already been done we call these containers there's about five of them in the dot net world there's castle windsor unity not to be confused with unity 3d there is uh ninject uh autofact and probably forgetting one don't at me but uh yeah, so,
0: yeah. That is not where I anticipated that was going to go. Uh, <laughs> I thought we were going to quickly move to uh, a, another Twitter happening uh, uh, that was sad for us because we asked for topics for tonight's show and our massive uh, Twitter following of, uh, what, 100 and so followers? <laughs> 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 I think we're over okay yeah 25ish neighborhood now but uh not a peep it was crickets so uh, i was a little disappointed with that i lost the bet i owe kevin a dollar yes You are listening to The Bob and Kevin Show
1: with Bob Beatty Bar and Kevin Gieszewski. Each week, we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. And more weeks than not, we're joined by special guests to add
0: additional perspective to our topics. Our website is bobandkevin.show. And our episodes can be found on virtually any podcast network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show. What are we doing today? Kevin, today we're doing something a little different because we didn't get a volunteer topic for the show. We decided we're just going to do a little, little chit chat tonight. we can just talk about this, that, and the other. Uh, you heard in the cold open, we got pretty heavy and deep on uh, dependency injection and how that all works with the lazy concept. So uh, hopefully, for me, it's going to get a little bit more lighthearted so I can actually contribute a little bit more. I'm Bob Beatty Bar sitting over here in Batavia, Illinois, and my amazing co-host is, say hello. Hello. Tell everybody who you are. (laughs) I'm Kevin. (laughs) And we are the Bob and Kevin Show. Uh, Wow. So. Yeah, actually, let let me
1: interject. You know what I learned about Batavia, Illinois?
0: Oh, yes. Do share, because I was very proud that you figured that out.
1: So I was reading the book Hyperspace, and I'm almost done. I literally have two pages. And I'm like, shit, I got to go to a podcast. Uh, so I have two pages left in the book, and about 30 pages ago at the bottom says, in Batavia, Illinois, is the Fermi Lab, which is the original Atom Smasher. Are you kidding me? You've been holding
0: out, man. Uh, I just figured everybody knew that. Uh, no. <laughs> also a little local folklore. Uh, when we have interesting weather patterns where – seemingly dangerous storms part and go around Batavia. We call that the Fermi effect, because no one really knows what that little spinning ring does over there to the rest of the world. So.
1: You know, that's funny, because we have a similar phenomenon where I live. I No shit, I'll, I'll be watching the radar, and a lot of times it, it will just divide like freaking Moses out there going, nope, you go that way, you go that way.
0: So what do you think causes it in your neck of the woods?
1: Um, well, I don't have a cool atom smasher. The best I can offer you is we have a courthouse, a coffee shop, and a lot of court.
0: Oh, maybe there's a Hellmouth there. A what? A Hellmouth? You never watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer?
1: Um, you know, I'm sure Sarah Michelle Gellar was, you know, in my crush list at some point in my life, but I don't know if I've actually seen an episode.
0: Oh, uh, you should totally watch it. I don't know what service it's on these days, but uh, it's it's very entertaining. Very entertaining.
1: So, what about, what about you? Is it, does the Fermi Lab like attract like any like weirdo? I mean, do, I don't. Uh, you wouldn't protest the atom smasher, would you? But would you get like your Area Fifty One like you know they're doing experiments in there?
0: Well, here's the crazy thing: when we first moved up here, um, the campus was wide open you know, there's all kinds of activities going on there. And you could pretty much, you know, uh, you could drive through it. Uh, a lot of people ride their bikes and run through it. There's actually identified biking and running courses, trails, and you can still do that now. But uh, when 9-11 happened, since it was a government controlled facility, they pretty much locked it down. So you can't just take a leisurely drive. You know, there used to be entrance on one side and exit on another and you could just drive through because it's a beautiful like natural prairie campus and there's some pretty cool architecture in there too Um, but now it's not quite as open to the public you can still ride your bike over there and ride through and run around over there Uh, they have uh, bison on campus so they have a herd Uh, it's just crazy little place
1: Is there like a gift shop? Do you get like your own free uranium like thing or whatever you might have there?
0: I do believe that they have some kind of gift shop facility, but I don't think you can buy any dangerous elements. Um, I told you this the other day. I do have a couple friends that, uh, well, actually more than a couple, a fair handful of friends that work over there in various capacities. Some engineers, some physicists. Uh, It's, you know, you end up at a neighborhood party and there's a guy that's talking about the project they're working on where they're sending the particle through the earth and trying to capture it in some big uh body of water uh cave underground cave in minnesota i think or something so you know that they actually were able to track that a particle originated from fermi and ended up in this second location and it, there's all kinds of cool stuff and
1: Speaking of cool, how would it be cool to walk into party and be like, Hi, I'm Bob. I'm a physicist. What do you yeah. do?
0: <laughs> Actually, but Tavia, it's not that uncommon because of for me being right here in town. So you run into a lot of really, really smart people.
1: Wow. I I uh would like to see where a physicist live. Like is so there like a physicist neighborhood around there? I'm I'm just
0: No, the crazy thing is is uh you know, they're just uh so we get a lot of um international guests in town and there's actually some housing right within the fermi campus as well but then the permanent you know residents the physicists that have selected to live here in batavia they live all over the place different size houses different neighborhoods you know you got your got your quirky mad scientists and you've got your you know your pretty much run-of-the-mill people that are just super smart and You know, a lot of them have kids and go to local schools and they're just regular people that just happen to be really, really, really smart.
1: (laughs) I think think we've talked before. I think if in an alternate reality, which is possible in... According to physics, uh, <laughs> I would I would uh, have picked cosmologists. That's that's not the, the horoscope kind. That's like the people who study the heavens and the stars, like from a science point of view. And then physicists would totally be there. But you know what? If you ask a physicist, "Hey, what's new?" They kind of shrug their shoulders, right? I mean, <laughs> not much, you know, is going on in the world of physics, is
0: there? Well, there's the there's the hands on hardcore. The dudes that are, the dudes and dudettes that are managing the, the the ring, you know? And then upstairs, I believe, uh, they have the theoretical physicists. Yep. They're trying to posit what may be possible. <laughs> so,
1: think Star Wars. There's a scene where they're like, fire the Death Star. And like, you know, the guy's dressed in black, like, point, And this green beams of light come, like, shooting down. And then they end up blowing up planets. That's totally what an atom smasher looks like to me, in my mind.
0: So one of the cool practical things um, that they did start over there, they would take part of the beam off the ring and they can use that as a focused proton therapy, I believe is what it is. So it (laughs) is, it's uh, think chemo, uh, think uh, not chemotherapy, but radiation therapy. So to treat cancer. Oh, okay. But, But, but they use protons off the, I'm fairly sure hopefully none of my physicist friends are listening and are fact checkers. This. Yeah. But um no they they would take uh they had a treatment center there on campus and they would take protons off the the ring and then because that's a much more focused and less hostile beam and they were treating uh hard to get to cancers with that with wow. some with some pretty good success. So,
1: so- are you hiding any other secrets in Batavia? I, I didn't realize I should have interrogated you the last time I was in Batavia. Uh,
0: I think that's probably like our our that's biggest crown claim. jewel? Yeah, I think that's our biggest claim to fame as far as like worldwide notoriety. Because I mean, it was the first, it's not the biggest, but.
1: So is there uh, any toll boost on the circuit for the protons that, that they have to pay? Because every time I drive to Chicago, I feel like there's a toll booth like every 10 feet.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a, toll every mic whatever the smallest measurement that they have over there because i can imagine it's not a not a cheap little operation uh, it was pretty funny one of my buddies who is an engineer over there uh, they take the they take the ring down you know they're not really running it uh, for a couple months every year because they have to do maintenance and so you know they get behind schedule on you know experiments and whatever else that they're working on because some of it is you know, some of it's work, like the proton therapy and things like that. Some of it's actual work. And so when, they, when they're when they expected to bring the Linux back online, you know, there's people waiting for that to happen.
1: Do you like the lights in the town, like,
0: you know, kind of like dim a little bit, they come back to normal? I think they're on their own power grid, to be honest.
1: Oh, so that only happens when Clark Griswold does his thing. Got it.
0: Or when a hawk <laughs> flies into the substation, which happened last week as well. Um, nice. So when they fired the ring back up, one of the sections, because it's suspended. So to, you know, absorb any motion and things like that. So it's a suspended ring. And uh, one of the entire sections felt just dropped. So they just fired it back up and they were in a place where it was inoperable again. So they had to scramble and get that thing lifted into place. And you can imagine the intense level of calibration. They would have to be in place to get that thing, you know, clean as a whistle all the way around.
1: <laughs> so, so Bob, here's what I learned. Next time you're at a cocktail party with some physicists, just start talking about non-Euclidean geometry, the standard model, and tesseracts. And just see how... I, I'm expecting their face just to light up and be like, <gasps> you know, oh my
0: gosh. <laughs> so. I'd imagine that that's like going to a party where there's a bunch of... Um, foreign language speaking people and you know the question where is the bathroom and then everyone assumes that you are fluent and starts <laughs> right. throwing all the words at you so as soon as i say euclidean whatever you said then i'm going to get myself into a conversation that i can't so
1: so just for the uh, show note here euclidean geometry is I think a right angle is a right angle only if space time is flat so if you curve space-time, which you wouldn't be able to see, a right angle no longer becomes right angle. If you bend it like, you know, this way, and you can't see, oh, this is terrible for the, the listener, but if you bend it where it like is uh, convex, then you would have a, a triangle would no longer add up to 180 degrees. It would add up to, the three angles would add up to more than 180. And if you would bend space-time the other way, where it's concave like a saddle, you would have less than 180 degrees in a triangle, which is really weird. So Euclidean geometry means there's 180 degrees in a triangle, which we're all build buildings and houses off of. But space-time itself is curved, and your standard geometry doesn't work in there. So, sorry, you can tell I'm definitely reading these books.
0: I would probably guess that since the universe is always in motion, that right angle is never a right angle anyway.
1: Well, so we so the theory is, is we started with Big Bang theory, and there's two possible outcomes to our universe. It's either going to expand forever, and we'll we'll die in the Big Freeze, right? Because the stars will stop burning at one day, and we'll just we'll just freeze to death. And the opposite is is there's enough mass in the universe where the the universe is going to expand to a point where the, now there's so much mass because the reason it's expanding from the Big Bang. But the mass, there's going to be enough mass in the universe that it actually stops it and it's going to start contracting again. It's going to be called the big crunch. And during the big crunch, we will all die by fire. Isn't that wonderful,
0: Bob? <laughs> we won't be here.
1: <laughs> no, we will be long gone. And I, I learned about uh, four t- uh, civilization types. Type zero, type one, two, three. Type zero is what we are. we are very tri- creatively named, by the way are they they're very sterile right <laughs> clinical <laughs> i think that's
0: what you mean for those listening at home that was sarcasm
1: aha so we're a type zero um population basically we can't even master our own planet's energy at this point and we're most likely to kill ourselves off as a species because we're just heathens a type one civilization uh has mastered Um, the planetary energy and Our energy consumption is I think to the point where we need to now use the star itself directly You know to power all of our energy needs and then uh, type 2 I think is uh, we've mastered uh, The galaxy so we we go to the center of the galaxy and we say, you know There's a bunch of black holes here. We can tap into the energy of the black holes and I think a type 3 is basically masters of the universe Total He-Man sword and everything. By the power of Grayskull! <laughs> exactly. So, as you can see, I've been uh, deep in uh, theory. Yeah, but who
0: came up with those? Who came up with those four classes? There's
1: a guy's name, and I totally feel like I'm not doing him a service by not being able to say it, it was Dr. Such-and-such. But I can't.
0: I feel like we need to have the Stardate supplemental guys, uh, they would totally know, wouldn't they? Giving some commentary on this one. Uh, and if I put this out into the universe, since we're talking about the universe, then it's going to happen. Right. So we're going to do this crossover thing and we'll talk about more crazy shit like this. Um, hopefully in keeping it very much in the realm of fiction, but Kevin will help bring it to, uh, how it all is all real, I'm sure.
1: Are you familiar with the Dyson sphere? While well, we're just totally talking, friends I'm spheres.
0: familiar with the Dyson vacuum. Is that okay. anything it's similar? Just,
1: it's just like that, except not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so uh, imagine you could build a structure that completely encapsulates the sun and all the way out to the orbit of Earth. Just a giant metal sphere. And then
0: on the inside of that, we Isn't basically... Isn't that AT&T Stadium in Dallas or whatever <laughs> that is? It is-
1: you mean Jerry's world? It's, Jerry's it's close. Lab, yes. It's very close. <laughs> so imagine being able to capture the entire sun's output. So sucks for you, uh, the rest of the solar system. But we are capturing the, the total output of the sun and able to harvest that energy by doing that.
0: I think that so, would vaporize us. Um, it, let's assume
1: that we've worked out the kinks.
0: <laughs> okay. So we've harnessed it Insofar as we can actually control its output.
1: Correct. And then there's there's a off-ramp between completely enclosing it, and that's basically just building a huge ring of collectors, you know, around that. And then in the news recently, and Kyle Weems would would probably yell at me because I don't know the name of the star or whatnot, but in the news, they've been noticing a distant star that has light drop-off at very irregular intervals. And usually when you look at a star and it drops light, it's usually because a planet, uh, an exoplanet is, is passing between the observer, us and the star. And that's how we actually can detect other planets because, you know, Right. As, but that happened well,
0: tens and thousands of years ago. That little flicker true. that we're seeing.
1: True. If it's tw- 20, you know, light years away or 20, you know, however many light years away, you're right. We're seeing the past in a way. right but we, are no- we noticed, we, like, like I got my telescope out. Like, <laughs> somebody smarter than me who does this for a living um, had noticed that uh, there was this drop-off in light consistent with some sort of Dyson-type um, object. And so I think we had a final resolution where it's not aliens, um, but uh, it was very interesting, and all that stuff's just like totally amazing. You, you know what? The thing about aliens, though, yes, I'm going aliens on you. We're so far apart, and according to physics, we cannot go faster than the speed of light. We just can't travel through normal space time faster than the speed of light unless we do some tricks like warp space time, uh, use wormholes, and things like that. So, even if we have some intelligent life out there, there's a good chance that. They can't get here. We can't get there. And both of us are too stupid to figure out how to manipulate space time in order to overcome the fact that we're so far away, we would have to go to the speed of light. And even if you could, it would still take bananas forever.
0: Right. But that's saying that the other things out there are at the same level of intelligence as we are.
1: Oh yeah. So the book, like so, I said, they could be,
0: they could be class three people.
1: Well, an amazing thing—well, not amazing—a good observation is, is, Bob. When you walked past an ant hill the last time, did you stop and go, "Hey, show, take me to your leader"? You didn't, right? You're like, uh, "Your ants, I, I, yeah." I can't
0: confirm or deny that. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna go on a limb. I'm gonna assume you haven't. And if you did, that's fine. But uh, you know, when you come across, you know, ants, you, you don't stop and go, "Hey, take me to your leader," because it's a human thing to go oh yeah, when aliens, they're out there, they're coming to see us, and they want to talk to them. Well, no, they probably don't want to talk to that leader, but they're going to talk to somebody, you know, so you know, it, so, you got to so think of it that way. saying that
0: they, they may be among us?
1: No, uh, you know, I used to really hope and want to believe, you know, very X-Files, oh, that'd be so cool, but the, this, the more I read and the smarter I get, the more I realize that it's preposterous, um, in a lot of ways, um, and even if there are intelligent civilizations, oh, another good observation the book makes is, isn't it amazing? And the Star Trek supplemental guys will totally yell at me for this one. Isn't it amazing that the Klingons, the Romulans and humans all are in the same evolutionary point in time in the universe at the exact same moment? You know, it's not like the humans rose, then they rhyme. Nope, they all rose at the exact same time and they happen to, you know, now they hate each other and they shoot each other. What's, what's the chance? right now we are
0: definitely we're almost like taunting them to come on the show
1: (laughs) yeah i'm gonna ask them about that i'm gonna i'm gonna take them to task on hey explain this to me all right bob so that was really nerdy so I, i i i'm two pages away from completing that book i actually originally read that book in 1994 age 16 full disclosure could not understand it uh, and then at, it was always one of my, you know, things like, hey, you know, I should always get that book and see. And I always figured it was irrelevant, but hey, physics. <laughs> shit Can really
0: you understand me. it now?
1: Yes, because I, I'm i a glutton for watching the universe on the History Channel or, you know, all these different space ones. And you've got Neil deGrasse Tyson on there. You've got Michelle uh, Thaler. You've got um, all these people, uh, Michio Kaku on there, and they just completely they beat this into my head over and over and over and over and oh my gosh i get it you know and and einstein's theory of relativity and and, there's there's general relativity and there's special relativity general relativity is basically the theory of gravity special relativity is basically hey we can't go faster than the speed of light so that that's the the two watershed things of the 20 20th century that uh as a high school kid totally gave a crap about but now I'm like oh my god it's profound you know gosh I'm getting old
0: (laughs) well let me dumb it down a little bit because I had a different not I guess it kind of is a rant but I figure that our listening base can relate to it and possibly contribute to it. Because once again, this might be a shortcoming on my knowledge base. So I have this awesome Surface Book 2 laptop or Surface Book as Microsoft calls them. And I have this awesome Bluetooth keyboard and mouse, also Microsoft. And I toggle back and forth between two computers that are fairly identical. Um, One for work, one for personal but every time that I switch computers with the keyboard and mouse, I have to delete the old Bluetooth references and re-sync, like re, uh, what do you call it when you initiate a Bluetooth? What is That's- Uh, that's Pair. Pair, I have to re-pair them. So like, there's no like, like, hey, I just rebooted this computer and oh look, that keyboard and mouse that I used to be connected to is still right there, but now, that's only when I switch computers. If I shut down my, like, so I'm connected to my personal machine now. If I shut that down and restart it, it will repair to the keyboard and mouse. So I'm thinking this is a keyboard and mouse limitation and not a computer limitation. But then if I pair this keyboard and mouse to my other laptop, it won't automatically pair to this one again. That's, uh,
1: that's the support ticket. Wait, and happen <laughs> at Microsoft? <laughs>
0: yeah. So, if anybody out there works for the Microsoft team and the Surface Book realm and has any information on that, I did a quick search on it and it seems like it actually is a limitation, which seems very bizarre.
1: So, we used to do a trivia bit, and I don't want to do a trivia bit right now, but I'm going to do a trivia bit on you because I just thought of something. So, growing up, we knew who Bill Gates was, Steve Jobs, um, you know, uh, a lot of those. Tech companies. Right now, if I asked you who's the CEO of Microsoft, you would say
0: Satya. Cite? What is his first name?
1: All right, moving on. Who's the CEO of Google? Who? Uh, I have no idea. Moving on. Who's the CEO of YouTube?
0: No idea. <laughs> I do have an idea. I just don't remember their name. Who's the
1: CEO of Apple?
0: It's another good question. It is... Uh, I know
1: this one, actually. Tim it Cook. is Tim, Tim Cook. Cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the CEO of Facebook?
0: Mark Zuckerberg. Isn't it amazing how we've kind of... Wait, but what is the guy's name from Microsoft, though? It is like... Think, uh, yeah. But it starts with an S and has an A and a Y and a something in there somewhere, right?
1: So what does that mean to you that we're the figureheads of some of these companies are are less well tip of mind, you know, cause Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, you know, are just like, bam, right there.
0: Well, I think we left Elon out of the conversation, but I think that that creates the kind of like the point of argument too, is that when you look at, the Steve Jobs and the Bill Gates, you know, and the Elon Musks and the Mark Zuckerbergs, for example, um, and, and Jeff Bezos, too. So you got that guy in there. You're, you're looking at radical innovators. You, when you think about the current CEO of Microsoft, when you think about is the guy that runs Google the guy that's always run Google?
1: No. I don't think so. Yeah, Larry so, Page and, uh,
0: right. heck, I can't dudes. even
1: remember the other guy, <laughs> Sergey something, something. Right, yeah. exactly.
0: <laughs> Sergey, in Russian last name. Um, but I feel like those were radical, like they redefined or defined a new era. And I think that's why those names stick out so prominently where the second and third generation CEOs of those still big giants, in the field don't really stick out.
1: Alright, so let's name the influencers. Of just, and we're going to get a, the list short and people are going to be like, oh, you forgot that so-and-so. But Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, Mark Zuckerberg.
0: I think Jack's in the conversation still. Okay.
1: Jack Dorsey from Twitter. Uh, is it dropping off from there?
0: In the current realm, uh, yeah, because you got Jeff, Mark, Jack, uh, yeah who are, <laughs> who are we missing we're missing yeah i
1: because I, I, I was thinking sitting here thinking you know what man who who's the who's the main movers and shakers now some people may say well yeah but those are all the loud people or oh wait well, did you oh, get
0: elon did you get Elon?
1: yeah we got elon okay. we got elon bezos uh zuckerberg and jack dorsey jack dorsey yeah so uh uber has a ceo you
0: know, it's a new you know. CEO, though. New it's not CEO. the original right. one.
1: Exactly, but you still can't really name him. So, yeah. so I guess what I'm saying is, is it really only four people these days making waves? I mean, so Elon Musk is very controversial these days. Uh, I appreciate his let's go to the moon thing, but his whole Tesla thing is just very confusing. And the attack on that reporter or whatever it was, or, or not one reporter, uh, the whole tie Mineca- mine care minecraft uh tie Thai- oh hey wrestling wrestling
0: the soccer team yeah
1: um so that's weird so and then zuckerberg's got this like robot vibe to him that a lot of people don't trust jack dorsey is taking a lot of heat for being you know difficult position on Twitter's stance on banning and things like that. And then we got Jeff Bezos who basically, Oh, by the way, this breaking news, he just bought me because <laughs> he's rich, right? He can, he can do whatever he wants. He, he, he acquired me. And I don't even know how he did this.
0: <laughs> most of us probably just haven't received the press release yet, but I'm sure most of us have been acquired by Jeff. Um, I, I think part of this is the, the age of irrelevancy for the modern ceo um i think that those organizations become more of a sum of the teams versus the spiritual leader like i always think of uh uh huli <laughs> <laughs> Belson. Yep. Gavin Belson. He, you know, he was when the show opened, was it five seasons ago or coming up on five seasons ago? Um, you know, he was the pinnacle. It, it was his world. He was the Silicon Valley, you know, darling. And so over the course of the five years, we've watched his relevancy devolve. You know, he's tried to make a resurgence. And I think that that's one of those situations where, you know, art and life are on a a realistic similar path. I don't think that the organizational CEO is as nearly relevant as they used to be.
1: So Silicon Valley, to me, is such brilliant writing. Being somebody who's in tech, oh my gosh. It's like, how can you be so good at knowing it? I mean, you're Hollywood, right? Who's your advisors telling you that this is what you need to be talking about? Because I seem to be like spot on or at least... Super current to me. Well,
0: and some of the stuff is so, because the media is so prevalent and no one can really exist in the private world anymore, everything is in the public eye. It does give them unlimited fodder. I feel like um, House of Cards, same exact way. You know, if you feel like, oh, they must be working with, you know, DC insiders to write these scripts and stuff. And I'm like, no, they're probably just watching the news.
1: Full disclosure: I liked the first couple, three, four seasons, but whatever season—this was before the whole Kevin Spacey thing—I kind of started losing interest. I'm like, oh, where are we going with this, guys?
0: Well, same I with think West- hey, it- same
1: with Westworld, and I know you'll battle me
0: on that one. But <laughs> well, let, let's let's dispose of you know uh, whatever the, the House of Cards. Let's dispose of that one first. I think the reason why that gets a little tired. Is because it you know, you're dealing with that that reality show, in that real drama. <laughs> yeah, in real life. You're not gonna you don't get any escapism from watching that as a drama, as a weekly episode. Cause you're just so fatigued. Now, moving on to Westworld.
1: So so I'm gonna go first. So before you respond, season okay. one was freaking amazing. I mean, I was just like the whole black Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen it, I really don't care at this point. So the whole uh, the man in the black hat, uh, you know, time warping with the younger character. I actually didn't see that. So call me naive. I didn't see it. So it was a great revelation. That-
0: I didn't see it. I didn't recognize it either.
1: And then season two, I felt like it was just like Lord of the Rings Westworld edition, where it's just like, dude, we're just walking for an entire season and we're not sure what's going on. And there's just the side stories that don't seem to fit together. And oh, by the way, I still think there's a continuity problem because in the first season of Westworld, the the man in the black hat would get shot or get shot at by um, one of the other characters and there were either no bullets or it didn't hurt him. But suddenly in season two, You could kill a human, but they never explained how they got all this ammunition. It was suddenly live ammunition. It was never explained. Okay,
0: go. I'm going to tackle that one first. So, (laughs) two seasons in, what we've never been able to establish is an actual quantifiable measurement of time. We're measuring time in the scope of people's lives. So, we have early man in black hat, late man in black hat. But then you come to learn that there's also multiple environments that people are getting dumped in, not just the various scenarios within Westworld, but they talked about different, and they did this kind of passing as well because obviously they want to have more seasons, but there was mention of other worlds, for lack of a better term, not just storylines within Westworld. So there's other camps. There's other research that's going on there. Um, So establishing a rule set That's exclusive to Westworld and Westworld's Timeline, the bullet thing could have Just been an evolution in the software That we're not, because we don't know How many times the man in the black hat Has been through a cycle And how long that cycle lasts So I'm okay with Repeating adventures over and over and over again
1: I'm okay with a perceived Continuity goof as long as it gets paid off And explained and reasoned, but it never did and that's why I'm. Well, like,
0: it never did in season two. The show's not over.
1: It's not over, but I think good writing demands that you have to tie up a loose end of that magnitude. To me.
0: Well, and do we know for a fact that it's actually not over? Do we? Well,
1: know? I'm saying within the season. So. Right.
0: But I mean, do but have are we confirmed that season three is actually a thing?
1: Um, that I don't know.
0: I don't know that either, and I'm too lazy to look it up on the internet right now. I, I did I see wanna.
1: a trailer for Game of Thrones. Do you like Game of Thrones?
0: Uh, actually, I have never invested the time because we didn't have HBO when it first came out. So,
1: well, I, I don't. I'm I'm on demand, so I just pay. Well, I don't. Hey, I I I, pay I wasn't
0: 50. done with Westworld yet, for the record.
1: Oh, okay. We're going back. <laughs> All right, come back. So, All right.
0: I loved season two because I'm a sucker for character development. In season two, even though it was Lord of the Rings walking around, <laughs> one of those each one of those vignettes was a giant character development storyline. So you learned more about Mave, you learned more about all the characters and how they've cycled through and their past experiences and how they've become connected. So I dug that part.
1: See, and and I saw where they're going with it. I just thought it was going to be eventually some sort of revelation based on each one of these little vignettes. And again, we never got that. I didn't think it was just like, okay, we're trying to show that these non-human things are exhibiting human emotions.
0: Get that. Not just the human emotion though, but the strive for the afterlife and the promised land. That was the whole, the whole device was, is that the machines had religion and they just didn't know how to call it religion.
1: I thought it was muddy at
0: best. But I, I, people, people are muddy at best. Like that is the best part. Like that, uh, you know, that, that the blonde reinvented herself by sliding some knobs, you know, or reinvented her boyfriend by sliding his levers, you know, and, and she wasn't happy with the, the being that she created.
1: Well, let me ask you this. Season one or season two, grudge match or cage match, who wins?
0: I think it's a personal taste thing because they're both, I think, magnificent. <laughs> and I wouldn't say that one is better than the
1: other. They're, What's your favorite Michael Bolton song, Bob?
0: I don't have any favorite Michael Bolton. Song.
1: <laughs> no, the correct answer is all of them. <laughs> have you not seen Office Space?
0: Okay. I, I have, but I didn't remember the Michael Bolton reference because spy as Michael Bolton. All
1: right. All right. All right so so now
0: you can move on to Game of Thrones.
1: Well, there's nothing really I want to say about Game of Thrones other than I was saw the teaser and, and then I was quickly... But we
0: know that that's coming... Well, we know that the books are coming to an end, right?
1: You know, I read some of the books, but the books and the show are now divergent. So right. But um,
0: is he putting the... Have the books been put to bed or is it the show that's being put to bed? I can't remember.
1: I don't know, but as long as there's... So I know um, Amelia Clark is done with the show. She's like, peace, I'm out. Um... So uh I would imagine i well, we we don't know what happened. So maybe she dies, maybe there's still a story. But I'm pretty sure where there's money, there's gonna be HBO. Um right, filming right, something. Right. yeah, if if
0: they're getting if they're getting uh eyeballs because of that show, they'll keep funding it. Um so,
1: But not till 2019. so we have to wait till 2019 for So there's the a big
0: gap, right?
1: Yeah. Huh.
0: Uh, um Go
1: ahead. I did see that yes uh, there's a star wars universe television show that i believe got green lit uh was it star oh my god now i can't even remember if it's the right property it was something like star wars oh my god this is just a terrible story now something I
0: amazing like, <laughs> i feel like that's a bad idea picard's coming back for a new star trek though. oh
1: gosh i i love me some captain picard oh yeah that
0: that's great I found a new Twitter account that I really like. It's uh, a <laughs> caption Picard. Is that what it is? It's amazing. You should all follow it. It's actually uh, the writing is not bad at all. And I'm not saying that because I know the author.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> I accidentally pro tip here to get the uh, age verification screen to just go away. Don't just pick any date <laughs> because if it makes you less than 13, it immediately locks your account. Then you have to prove your age about three days later, you get access back to set account. So there you go. So question for Twitter. Why do you allow me to put in the year 2018 as my birth year? Come on,
0: man. Just kidding. help me out a little. See, that's pretty funny because when I established a parody account, and uh, it be interesting to know, I guess I'll just go ahead and spill the beans the at CG Donald Trump because a lot of people apparently didn't know that was me. I didn't know that. That was me. When I set that up, I actually put real Donald Trump's birthday in there, so you know, just a little extra authenticity.
1: Oh, okay. Funny you say that. So I try to put in John Luc Picard's actual birth year, but it's in the future. It's like the year twenty three twenty nine or something. Oh, that's not gonna work. Well, so what what does a computer programmer do if I'm presented with a drop-down and your option's not in there, Bob? Right-click inspect, edit the (laughs) the HTML, and then hit submit on the real form. Good job, Twitter. You thwarted that one (laughs) because I thought it was so going to work. But retrospect, even if I got that in there, it would have had me less than 13 years old because I hadn't even been born yet, apparently, or something to that
0: effect. Oh, wah, wah, wah. Yes. Um, Last one, really quick on uh, TV shows. Do you do Walking Dead at all?
1: I did Walking Dead through about three seasons, and then I just said, "This is stupid." I mean, it's villain of the villain of the half season. So you know, you got the mid-season break. So, so we're gonna have some dude. You know, hey, what are we going to do about, you know, what's this villain going to do? Oh, he's going to be a cannibal or something whack. And then he's going to have his own fortress. And they're going to have like these little things that we're going to get captured for a little bit. And then we're going to rinse and repeat this whole damn thing. And oh, by the way, there's zombies chasing you. And for some reason, all the food, you know, they find everything they need always. Then, no, so I don't anymore. Sorry. complete.
0: But you watched it long enough to know that Rick Grimes was a central character. Yeah. Well he is this is his last season on the show
1: i did see that so he's the main guy he's the he's the sheriff for the deputy right yes
0: no he's the sheriff okay he was a sheriff but uh yeah he is the main guy so is there anyone left uh there are a couple from the original cast still i believe um but anyone who could carry the show uh that's a really good question i think that they're hoping that uh possibly the introduction of some new characters will help with that. But uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see where it goes from here. Speaking of interesting to see,
1: um, are you familiar with Matt Smith who played uh, one of the doctor who's?
0: No, not a doctor okay. who person.
1: You are trying to get off my Christmas list by saying that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to write you an angry letter, Bob. <laughs> Um, so Matt Smith was one of the doctors, like two doctors ago, I think, by count. Who's very popular. He was announced he's going to be in Star Wars Episode Nine as a a, uh, a large role. So now that you don't know Matt Smith, uh, this is uh, for for our audience, not for you, Bob. Sorry.
0: Okay. On. Oh, I thought there was going to be more to that.
1: No, no, that was it. So, um, any other pop culture? Things that you just need to get off your chest or share with the world is, is... no.
0: Nah, I think I might be pop cultured out for this episode. Uh, so this one was maybe we'll just call this the pop culture episode. Who
1: knows? Well, well what, what, So I had shared. Hope no uh, one will get.
0: Hope no one will be afraid at the beginning with the uh, dependency injection conversation. Uh,
1: well, speaking of dependency. That almost scared
0: me. That almost scared me out of the episode.
1: <laughs> so, anything without being specific on what you're working on, like clients or anything like that, is there any interesting coding challenges or engineering problems you're facing?
0: I'm currently trying to figure out how to pack 17 hours worth of work into a seven and a half hour window. That is my biggest challenge. Uh, Development for me is a, a, a potpourri grab bag every day in reference back to last week's episode, how far down the stack we can go. Uh, I have challenges ranging from DNS, servers, internal network communications between www and SQL boxes all the way out to explaining to people why their site can be indexed or not indexed all the way to Uh, No, it's not an app. It's just a web page that scales. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
1: Um, Do you use uh, like Jira or anything similar? No. Okay. So are you familiar with Jira?
0: Everyone out there remember that Bob is actually not a real developer.
1: Uh, Have you actually used
0: Jira? No, I've never used Jira. All
1: right. But you're familiar with what it is, right?
0: Nope. I've heard of it. Uh, Think
1: of it as creating work stories and they roll up into epics and you know all these actually it's super confusing and i was just gonna comment how
0: wait is it like a work tracking
1: yes thing? okay it so is, it is
0: the thing that i was thinking okay
1: it is the most difficult thing i've ever had to navigate there's nothing intuitive about any of it nothing
0: and but, but it's the asana, gold standard i think yeah right? we use asana but it's not the same scale it's not jira no
1: so um With that in mind, um what other challenge? have you ever used Let's Encrypt before? Uh it's the free SSL thingy.
0: Actually, shameless Umbraco promotion latch has let's encrypt built-in. Yeah, indirectly. But I literally don't have to do a damn thing because they already wrote the container. Like we talked about we talked about the wrapper that you know would re re up the certificate on Azure and stuff. Yeah. um, In our SSL episode, check it out. I think it's episode five, if I remember correctly.
1: Yep. So I'm working on getting some Let's Encrypt, working on Azure, and uh, there's this plugin that most people use for it, but it's a real pain in the ass to use. So that's what's chapping my... uh,
0: Wait, so you're rewriting that plugin?
1: No, definitely not rewriting, but there's new versions. and, and So the thing that I'm seeing on an older version where... It says, hey, your your 90-day certificate's about to expire. And you're like, oh, well, shit, that's not good. So you log into Azure and you go, well, what's going on? And, and it works by having a little background task that, that ping out to let's encrypt and whatnot. And it says everything's working great, but it's sure enough, my certificate's going to fail. And then I um, go back to the certificate screen magically. A new one is there. I'm like, what the heck? So right now I'm fighting Let's Encrypt where it only automatically renews when I go visit the page that says it's about to expire, and then it magically creates one for me. So that's definitely not what uh I would hope for. So I'm imagining I just need to upgrade the plugin. I would like to know how Let's Encrypt works without the plugin, but I really don't have time for that kind of thing. I just need the plugin to work, you know.
0: Yeah, no, and everything we read and leading up the research for that other episode, it was not easy peasy. Just going straight up, let's encrypt route.
1: It's it's not. Um, so the the savings there is long term. I mean, it it takes a bit of effort to set up, but long term, once you get that momentum going, it should pay for itself because you can get certificates as cheap as ten bucks a year. I think is is the cheapest you can get, and then. Um, over time, so I guess even 10 years at 10, you know, I guess that's only 100 bucks. So, <laughs> yeah, 100 bucks of labor, <laughs> uh, it don't, don't get you much these days, does it?
0: Are... Nope, but I do like the, I do like if you, if you're in a ride that does the automatic updates and you don't have to worry about it, it's very
1: nice. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, what else? What, what other, what other, you'd mentioned uh, DNS, what other, uh, what other kind of issues you've running into?
0: Uh, You know what? Uh, I would say this is more of a, it's not really, it's not a challenge of development. It's just a challenge of product, project life cycles. It's just, you know, when you're forced to have to bootstrap functionality and I don't mean the, I don't mean the framework. I mean, like you've got a bolt on after the fact. It's like, Oh, you know what we meant to have you build for us? but we're already live. Can you just tack that on, you know, a new piece of functionality? Or I know we're going to launch later today, but it'd be really sweet if you could integrate this new piece of functionality before we go live later today. Oh, and by the way, it's Friday.
1: (laughs) Uh, Question for you, and you can certainly deflect or not answer, but I'm just curious, have you gotten much... GDPR cookie policy, privacy policy, policy activity for lack of better terms uh, since May when I think it became more. The relevant. Crazy
0: thing is, is that it's like it hasn't even come up. Like I think maybe, maybe one client said, "Hey, do I need to be concerned about this?" And so we had a conversation, and you know, really they weren't collecting anything they weren't tracking anything except maybe google analytics but that's a whole other conversation but you know like they really weren't in the wheelhouse for anything involved with gdpr but the the weird thing is is like only one client so it should be like a hundred
1: we've actually gotten quite a few things and one thing we talked about just today was Hey, we have this U.S.-based thing, and it only has U.S. customers. And I said, "Well, I don't. Okay, GDPR probably doesn't affect us. But what happens if we have, say, a uh, somebody from the UK who? This was like, think of this as like a real estate app. So users would be people who own real estate in America. So what happens if you have a British national um, living in the states and they're a user?" and they own land here too, they would be technically subject to GDPR in, a, in my estimation because they are a EU citizen. Well, for, for a little while longer. <laughs> EU citizen. Oh, man, maybe I should have picked it. <laughs> Everyone take a breath.
0: Don't ask. Don't ask.
1: Okay. Um, somebody from the Netherlands, um, <laughs> you know, has a piece of property in um, the States, Technically GDPR could reach out in that case. Could it not?
0: Well, let's take the compliance aspect out of, you know, that it's a European union type directive, but it it just seems like it, I read it, you know, not cover to cover, but got the highlight reel. And uh, it seems like good practice in general. And from everything that I hear, California is actually working on something that is actually a little bit more aggressive even than GDPR. So, First off,
1: I'm not surprised that California would do that.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. So we're going to be, you know, it's going to become a very relevant issue, I think, in the very near future. And I think it's probably very forward thinking of any organization, especially if they're building apps that handle any kind of, you know, customer slash user data. To just be thinking along those lines in the first place.
1: So I saw a headline that from the WordPress CEO, and again I couldn't tell you his name. I, I know his picture, so I do know it. It is a male. Um, he's he, the headline was on Recode, and it had something to do with how do we reconcile ad revenue going forward. You know, like like the the, the negative sides of ad revenue and, and stuff like that. Or
0: well, yeah, know, we revenue. asked we asked that question. A long time ago on an episode because retargeting is everything for most of these networks. Right. It's Matt Mullenweg, by the way.
1: All right, thank you for that. Um so I think we talked GDPR. I'm definitely, you know, I definitely like the spirit of GDPR. You know me, I'm the tinfoil hat. Privacy is you know I just want to get on the internet. Oh, have you seen, it's, it's like a Instagram thing going around where, you know, in a few years in 2008 to browse a website, you, you type in an address, you wait a second and then, you know, it loads. And in 2018 it's, you type it in the address, it loads. You have to click off your cookie policy or your, your whatever, your whatever, whatever your ads, your, Hey, we notice you're not, uh, we, we notice you're using an ad blocker, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, Holy crap. You're right. Did Martin
0: create that meme or did he just read? Like, I don't know, but I, I well, let's I give March credit for it then. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> um, so
1: <laughs> then I saw another one on Instagram that, you know, cause a lot of times if you go and you have an ad blocker, it says, Hey, we've noticed you've got an ad blocker. And then the guy's retort was, Hey, I noticed you tried to install 26 things on my machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, Hmm. I think it's becoming more and more obvious to user or definitely not lay users, but definitely super users that, Hey, this is kind of a, it's getting kind of out of hand and invasive. Maybe that's just my bias on, on the topic, but, um, I'd never used the pop-up blocker until a few months ago. And I've noticed several websites don't work unless you whitelist, um, the site.
0: uh, Do you not use Chrome.
1: Yeah, it's it's Chrome. I'm oh yeah,
0: the pop-up blocker is enabled by default. Or at least it is in my corporate policy. No, 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 no. Not pop-up blocker. Ad blocker. Oh, ad blocker. You said pop-up blocker. I,
1: thank you. I mean, uh, ad blocker. Okay. So um, a lot of things don't work, and th- the problem is, is you don't know which script to whitelist. So you got to basically say, "Dang it, got to allow them all," and. Yeah, there's just got to be a better way, right? I mean, just it just seems like this, the tech world takes total advantage of the lay user, because nobody knows how it works unless you're in the business.
0: Ah, uh, no, I would say you could get rid of the word lay. I think that they take advantage of the user. Period.
1: <laughs> yeah, because I yeah we know how it works, and it's still like gosh, they got us. You know, if they want you know, if to do certain things, you have to. Dang it, I, I've got to do it this way. Oh, well.
0: Yeah. I wonder, I'd have to start testing. Cause I mean, I don't think I'd do anything crazy, but it'd be interesting to if there's a way to test to see if ad blockers, you know, would impact some of the stuff that, that, um, that I've been working on. So, uh, I love my job because it's always changing. I hate my job because it's always changing. <laughs> well, um, uh, that's probably a good point to bring in our little disclaimer here. Uh, the thoughts of Bob and Kevin on the Bob and Kevin show are exclusively and expressively the thoughts and opinions of said Bob and Kevin. Thank you.
1: Well, I think uh, that
0: should have been much closer to the front. My bad.
1: We had originally planned to talk about more of a spicier topic, but I'm mentally exhausted, and this was kind of a nice departure here you still I owe will me be that.
0: lobbying to bring that spicy topic back to the forefront whenever you're less exhausted by it
1: you still owe me a dollar uh, I do owe whatever. you a dollar and uh, I think we only have one more piece of business and that is I've got to
0: bring the lightning.